What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have calling in all the way from Melbourne, Australia, Miss Mary Henderson. We are so privileged to have her because not only is she living in a special place, but the place that she finds her niche is also special. And it helps really individuals who've had 10,000 plus hours in a particular expertise. So that means that they have a cachet and inventory for her to work with. And so without further ado, I want to introduce the Niche Finder podcast to Miss Mary Henderson. Thank you for joining the program. Thank you, Cliff. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. All right. Excellent. And so... Let's just get right into it because I want to yep. get through this interview because I'm sure there's going to be several individuals that will be interested in getting in contact with you after you share with them what you've already shared with me. So to start us right out, why would the audience have an interest in your journey? I think that I'm like every entrepreneur, Cliff. You know, you have your highs and your lows and you have your realizations and you have and you don't have your realizations. I think one of the interesting thing is, things about my journey is that I've had three startups. So this is my third one. And the first one was quasi successful and then that sort of fa- folded, failed, whatever you want to call it. And it was the second one where I started to really understand the true journey of what entrepreneurship means because there's real highs and there's real lows and there's a lot of trial and tribulation in between. But the thing for me was that I actually resigned from my own company. I built a software company. I had it for seven years and it was, you know, in the final hours of those seven years where I realized, what am I, why am I in this business? Like, it's not even me. Like, this is not my purpose. I was not meant to be on this, you know, on this earth for this business, I've got a much bigger purpose. I didn't know what it was at the time, but what it did, it forced me to come face to face with the truth. Why am I doing this? Really, the reason why I had that business is because I was still looking for validation as an adult from my parents to say, oh, we're so proud of you for, for starting and creating this business, even though you didn't finish your degree. 
that was my hang up. So when I came to that realization and, I, and then I realized, mm, you know, there's something much deeper here. I went on a 12 month trajectory to really find out what is the, what is my purpose? What do I really want to do? And that's when I realized this is what I really want to do. I want to coach people. I want to pull in my knowledge, wisdom and skill set, And I want to show other people the importance of that. So for me, my, what I stand for is making people understand that wisdom is intellectual currency and we need to do something with that. We can't just look at our wisdom as a thing of the past. We need to look at our wisdom, you know, as intellectual currency. It does have a massive value and it's very easy to even look at it and, and appreciate it. Somebody that has 20,000 hours dedicated to, say, finance, the finance industry, if you put an hourly rate of $100 an hour, you're sitting on a $2 million intellectual currency right there and then. The question I have for people is, what are you going to do with it? So that's why, you know, my story's got a combination of, of, of a lot of those things. But what I stand for is very clear. And that is wisdom is currency. Mm, I love it. Um, tell me, at the start of your journey, do you think that you are now where you intended to be at the very beginning? I think so, uh, Cliff. I think that the journey changes over time. You know, I think that what happens I believe, is you get clearer and clearer on every aspect of your business. I didn't know that I wanted to coach back in 2005 when I started my first business. I thought I wanted to create a company that was developing peripherals and software and it was very... uh, people-based. So I needed an infrastructure, lots of people to be able to facilitate my dream. Um, Today, I have a very small team. They're all virtual. You know, 100% of my business is online and 85% of my clients are on on the other side of the world. So I didn't know that this is where I was going to go. What I think is this, is that when I look back, I can tell you that every single experience that I had looking back from this point, I can tell you that it was meant to be for me to be where I am right now. So when you connect the dots back to front, you can see that this is exactly where I'm, where, where what I'm meant to be doing. Mm, did you have any mentors along the way? Oh, yes, absolutely. So when I resigned from my own company in 2011, um, that was probably the lowest point in my life, Cliff. Like it was really, really dark. And it was in 2012 where I knew that I had to completely make a change. Um, I remember going to my Mac and Googling, um, how do I change my life? Like that, that were, they were the exact words that I Googled and I found some TEDx talks and, you know, I started listening. That was the sort of the, the, the trigger of the invitation, if you will, uh, for me to actually reach out and find somebody who could actually show me another way beyond self-help, beyond all that nonsense. I needed something big and bold and something that I could be motivated to step into without feeling fearful. So I had a mentor who was my who was a professor in philosophy and he, from Oxford University and he just completely and utterly changed the trajectory of my life. Not only that, you know, he also made me see that within myself I had 
a lot of knowledge. I had a lot of wisdom. I had a lot of skill set. What was I going to do with all of that? So I self-realized that, oh, my God, I can actually, I've got value. I've got something way deeper that I just took for granted. I also had another mentor who was an expert in the emotional body. So I fused my mind and body together, two different mentors that helped me um, self-actualize my potential, you know, just through learning from real experts, almost academics, because that's where I wanted to go. And it changed my life. Like it literally changed my life. And that was that journey, to be honest with you, Cliff, has never ended. I don't believe that we stop learning and we stop growing. I think that you always, once you're on this trajectory, you always want to meet the best version of yourself. Mm, I love it. And so as you were on this journey, what roadblocks did you find yourself up against? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, roadblocks. I think one of the roadblocks that all entrepreneurs, you know, have, especially when you're starting out is, you know, where do I belong? Like really, where do I belong? And I think that this is a really important, you know, um, aspect of entrepreneurship because we, we try and do it all alone. You know, we try and, you know, try and solve all these, the puzzle all by ourselves. We attend this webinar, we download this ebook, we buy this course, and we're trying to glue it all together. But it's not seamless. The, it's all glued together. It's a mishmash of little bits and pieces. So I feel that if I was to do it all over again, you know, I would uh, immediately find a tribe that I can belong to. I think that's the most important thing of entrepreneurship. We need to belong to something so that, that so that we're, we belong to a collective consciousness that we can all help and support each other's journey so that we can all support and help each other uh, self-actualize our potential. You can't do that on your own. I mean, you can, but it's just takes so much longer than having people that can hold a space for you. I think the other thing is, which is exactly what your podcast is about, is understanding, you know, where do I fit in this industry or or niche? Who can I really serve? What is it that I can promise? What is it that I really can do? And, and articulating that in very simple language, because once you can do that, then everything is, you know, everything is it is packaged around that your language your messaging your solution um the social platforms that you're on you know like how you show up in the world um you know there's, there's so many different aspects around around the challenges but to me i believe that the challenges were very much around those two areas it was belonging and really understanding how do i stand out in this noisy digital landscape and and there's lots of other challenges but they were the two uh, primary ones what type of external struggles did you find yourself up against in this journey uh, i think that um i think that for me the external ju- struggle was chasing you know the 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 um, the success, like actually chasing success instead of actually enjoying the actual journey, like really unfolding the chapter and unfolding who I want to become. I think that we all struggle with that. We all want to get to the race really, really quickly. We want to get to the seven-figure business. We want to get the clients. We want to build the tribe. But what I've learned, Cliff, is it doesn't 
work like that. You know, it doesn't really, it's not like I want to be able to build a business. I'm going to be a seven figure entrepreneur in 30 days. It doesn't work like that. I think for me, what I've self-realized is that my inner journey has become far more important than my external journey. And the reason I say that is because The more I unfold the beauty within myself, the more I attract the beauty on the outside world that come into my life. So it's kind of an inside out approach. And the other thing is that, you know, I'm very big on building community and tribe. So when I'm looking at my business and the tribe that I want to build, I can't build the tribe I want if I'm not that person, you know, so I have to become that in order for me to attract that so that when I'm talking to individuals, individuals, I can qualify the the right people that I want in my tribe. I'm very clear on what my tribal architecture actually looks like, what my branding architecture looks like, and I fuse those two together. So for me, it's more around the internal struggle that I have spent more time with than the external struggle. What is the external struggle? Isn't the external struggle a reflection of the internal Mm. struggle? So if I'm going to fix the outside, then I haven't fixed the inside because I'm constantly chasing something out there when really I should be chasing something in here and not necessarily fixing me because I'm broken, but self realizing, self-actualizing, embodying this version of me that I want to become. That requires a lot of attention. That requires a lot of patience. That requires a lot of, you know, uh, uh, reflection time so that you can actually truly understand, well, why am I feeling like this? Why am I thinking like this? What is it that I want to achieve? Why do I want to achieve that? How am I going to achieve that? And then suddenly your mind opens up to a much bigger possibility. So for me, it's the internal struggle more than the external struggle. Mm. Love it. And so there is a, a Chinese proverbs, and I may be mispronouncing it, but it is wingi, which is translated into the uh, English phrase of a danger is an opportunity in disguise. And so when we look at when we look at all of the journey that you've gone through, I hear about your ups and downs and your epiphanies and things like that. This is what I consider to be your journey. Well, this next segment that I want to take the audience through is your niche. And I see the niche as being made up of five core elements. The first one is what are your passions? The next one is what 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 do you do that feels purposeful? The third is patterns is what you do naturally well. Proficiencies is the fourth, and that's what you've learned to do well over time. And the last one is problem solving, which also includes problem finding. So if we go back up to the top and we ask you, like, what were your passions at the very start of your your journey. What did you do that when you did it, you felt ignited? I don't think that I looked at my passions as a separate entity. I always look at my passions as a part of my solution and a part of my purpose. I've never looked at my passions as something as, you know, oh, I'm really passionate about singing, so I'm going to pursue mm-hmm. that, right? For example, for me, my passion is um you know, I mean, a lot of things. It could be cooking, it's singing, it's, you know, writing, it's journaling, it's reading. It's, I have a lot of different types of passions, but I don't separate those, Cliff. I incorporate those within my solution. And, and the reason I do that is because for me, 
how I show up in the world is and must be my natural state of being. Therefore, I can't segment each aspect of myself. I need to be whole. And my passions will incorporate and do incorporate my natural gifts and my natural talents. Now, the question I ask myself is, how do I express that natural state of being that incorporates my passions, my gifts, my talents, my values, etc., on a day-to-day basis so I can show up as unapologetically myself. So my my understanding just through my work of passion needs to be incorporated rather than segmented. Mm. What do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that when you do it, you feel like I was made for this moment? I think for me, uh, uh, Cliff, it, it, it's definitely the work that I do. You know, I feel um, allowing my voice, which is my natural gift, to be able to be a voice for others who feel uh, who feel invisible. And this is why my target audience is very much that 50-plus age group who are industry experts. They're sitting on a gold mine. They are the ones that are feeling invisible because we live in a youth-obsessed culture. You know, so if you put on your TV, everything's about looking hot. It's about looking buffed. It's about being this. It's about having 500,000 Instagram followers. So, validation today is how many Instagram followers you have and how buffed you look and how hot you look, mm. you know, and, 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 and being over the age of 40 even is like taboo. So for me, it's being unapologetically myself. I want to be the person that can say what other people are not willing to say. They're too afraid to mm. say, I'm not afraid to speak the truth. I'm not afraid to bring the elephant in the room. That would be my the thing that I absolutely stand for. And I'm not afraid to bring that conversation to the forefront. Mm. What value has that brought to you just to go off script for a minute when you bring that elephant into the room? Oh, it's been amazing, Cliff, because what happens is that when you actually can start a conversation that, that other people are thinking about but aren't prepared to speak up, what you start to create is a community. And that's what it does. You know, for me, it's absolutely building this community of people that are thinking like that and they're feeling like that, but they don't know where to go. There's no belonging for them. So now suddenly I'm speaking up for them and they're like, oh my God, that's me. I feel like that. I'm I'm going through that. Um, and, and I feel that when you can bring that level of breadth and depth you know on the on the global uh stage you're going to build a community of people that will get to know you and get to love you and advocate for you Mm. love it thank you for that patterns what have you learned to what have you well not learned to do well what have what do you do naturally well Yes. Well, I'm a very systems-oriented person. So I'm a system thinker and a system designer, hence why I had a software company. So I'm one of those people that can organize data absolutely beautifully. So I can design algorithms. I can just draw them out on a whiteboard, give them to my developers and say, here, design this. This is what I'm after. You know, even when I'm working with um, my clients, Cliff, one of the biggest um, uh, roadblocks with the people that I work with is I've got 20, 30 years of experience. I've got so much to bring to the table. I've got 45 degrees, 72 certifications. These are all the things I can do with ease and grace. But I don't know what's 
solution I can sell. So my genius is to take all of that inventory and I can organize it into a solution so systematically so, and, 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 and it makes sense. It's a, there's an absolute flow of how they would take an, a company or an individual through a transformational process. Um, you know, and that's what I can do with absolute ease and grace. And of course, you know, the branding is something that I just do with my eyes closed. We've even developed an entire software uh, to be able to uh, extract, if you will, the key information from an individual human being so that we can use that data and actually organize it into the branding architecture that is exclusively for that individual. It's not a blueprint. It's absolutely bespoke for that human being, but it's all driven by data that is the truth. And that's our starting point. So when you can wrap that and a systemized approach and systemized thinking and design and you merge that together, it's very, very, very powerful because you're building businesses. You're not building hobbies. Hmm. I like that. Now, proficiencies, what have you learned to do well over time? I, I think that I'm, I'm just in my business and what I teach my clients is, you know, to try and automate uh, your business, build assets um, that have value, um, you know, obviously systemize all aspects of your business so it does the heavy lifting for you and scale. And I think that they're the areas that I specialize in. That's what I teach. That's what I do. Um, and I think also, as I said before, coming from a software background, a tech background, it really, really has added immense value in my business today. Mm. So problem solving. What do people come to you to solve in a unique way? Well, they always come to me and they say exactly what I said before. Mary, I've got 20, 30 years of experience. I've done so much. I've got so many degrees, certifications, etc. You know, I want to start my own business. I have no idea how to start. I don't know how to design my solution. I don't know who I am as a brand. I don't know how to show up on social media. I don't know how to write my messaging. I don't know how to sell. I don't know how to generate leads. And I don't know how to embody that version of myself. So when they come to me, they get the whole package. It's like, let, let, let's unpack who you are and we're going to create a, your branding architecture around that, build a solid foundation. Then we're going to systemize your solution. We're going to design digital assets and wrap that around a lead generation strategy. And all of that is what they walk away from. Here's the thing, Cliff. A lot of people in my audience who are 50 plus, they don't, it's not because they don't, they don't want to start a coaching or a consulting business. They all know that they want that. They all know that they are made for that and they can do that. That's not the issue. The issue they have is that they feel that they're not young enough, not pretty enough, not buffed enough. They feel so invisible and almost redundant, you know, in the in this world that we live in because what because we as I said before, we live in a youth-obsessed culture that's pushing this ideology that, oh, if you're not young and you don't have 500,000 Instagram followers, you are nobody. And I'm saying, oh, my God, we, it, the only way we can solve the issues of the world is through wisdom, period. There's An Instagram influencer with 500,000 followers cannot solve the issues mm. of the world. But somebody who has 30 years' experience that can solve complex problems, they're the ones that are going to solve issues in this world. Mm. 
What one secret would you share with your younger self that would say, I'm going to give you this secret and it's going to help accelerate you from where you are at this moment in time to where I currently am today? I think that I would just really embrace the gift that I was given from, you know, when I was born. And that was my voice. My voice is professionally trained, by the way. Mm. And I thought that, you know, when I was in my 20s that, oh, my God, all that training has gone to waste. There was a lot of regression around that. I realized that, oh, my God, my voice is the gift. The talent is singing. But I can channel that voice somewhere else Mm. and I think that's what I would have told my younger self because I self-realized that which now I know but then I didn't and I spent a lot of my 20s in you know um turmoil like it was really destructive 20s because I didn't know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life given the fact that all I ever wanted to do from zero to 20 was singing and performing arts suddenly that was taken away from me and I'm like well what do I do now with my life but I didn't realize that the gift was always there. Mm. Nice. How do you, or what would you tell your younger self that would help to get them started and stay committed? I just think that I would just say that the journey um, to where you want to go is the most important part of your life. Mm. You know, so don't race and to, don't 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 chase get rich, chase the story, the chapters in in your life before you get to that destination, because that's what makes up. That's what makes your life so delicious. They're the stories that I will be telling my grandchildren at some point, and that's what I want. I want to reflect on this time in my life and that time in my life that, you know, these all these stories really do matter. Mm. What level of intensity do you feel that one or your younger self would have to have in order to achieve their dream? Yes, I think that the intensity would be um, obviously self-belief, but I think that um, I wish that somebody taught me when I was younger, you know, that we have a choice to either be influenced by other people's ideologies or we can override that just purely by staying on our, our trajectory and having that one goal and focusing on that goal and never let go of that goal. So I think that for me, you know, um, creating a powerful mindset or thought process would have been extremely beneficial for me, you know, in those younger years. And I had to learn that, you know, in in my 30s uh, so I can actually become the version I am today. Mm. Now that you've discovered your niche, how challenging is it for you to do what you do? I don't think it's challenging for me, uh, Cliff. I think I'm very clear on mm. that window, you know. So, and 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 I and it's very very easy for me to say no. You're not in my. I can't serve you. So you need to go and find somebody else. And and I think that's very important as a business owner to do that because I can't serve everybody. We cannot serve eight million people. I can only serve a small proportion, you know, of the eight billion people in the world. Not not million billion. I meant to say. You know, so I think that what for me is this very, I have a very, very clear window. And even if other people can do what I do, they can't do it in the way that I do it. And I can't do it in the way that they do it. So we all have our own DNA print. We all have our own soul print. Therefore, there is no competition. But my niche is very, very, very tight. Um, and, and, and I'm glad that I've gone down this path. And I have been down this path for a while because I get to work with exactly the type of people I want to work with. Mm. What's been the greatest struggle after you found your niche? I just think it's it's actually uh, trying to, um, I wouldn't use the word convince, but 
What is so disheartening, I think, is talking to somebody that's, say, 55, they've just got so much wisdom and they're afraid to put themselves out there. The fear is cripples them. Mm. So they prefer to stay in on the hamster wheel, mm. you know, and then but they're really frightened of putting themselves out there and taking that risk to create you know, the a, a whole new story in their life. That for me is really, really sad. And the reason they're like that is because they don't have a system to follow that can that can move them toward that goal. They a lot of them try and do it themselves. They try and they and the, and the worst thing, Cliff, is a lot of them do it by watching free content, thinking that that's going to convert mm. into a six seven business and it's very i find that really sad for me because it's so immature and it's it's and i keep saying to people if you're not thinking like a ceo of a fortune 500 company you're never going to build a business you're just going to stay in hobby zone mm. and that's fine you know because some people just want that that for me is probably the most difficult part that i see i find that very sad mm. So John Maxwell said on one of the um, topics he was speaking about maximizing your impact, he says, a belief is not just an idea a person possesses. It is an idea that possesses a person. So when it comes down to we think about your niche, what about this idea of pursuing what you have currently where you currently find yourself? What about this idea that possessed you to the point where you said, you know what, I'm going to go for this thing? It didn't happen overnight, that I can tell you. Okay. <clears throat> you know, when I went on my, you know, journey on two, in 2012, I took a 12-month sabbatical. Mm. That's when I had my 12 months of intense mentoring mm. by a professor in, in philosophy, okay? Like, it wasn't self-help stuff. It was pretty hardcore. Um at the end of that 12 months, I knew that this is what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to go out there and go, hey, I'm a, another coach just trying to, you know, just get my business started. I realized that if I wanted to be the standout and I wanted to own and scale long term, I had to do it differently. So that's when I, I it took me three years to design and develop and implement my frameworks and my system before I actually launched. I didn't launch my coaching business until 2015. So I spent three years really thinking about this system. And when I, and so I've been full time coaching now since 2015. So that's seven years, but I have a system. It's, it's scalable. It's an asset. And this is the thing that differentiates me. If somebody wanted to buy my business tomorrow, they can buy that asset without me. Mm. And that's the key. That was what I wanted. I wanted to build an asset, not just a coaching business. The coaching business for me is the, the, the layer on top of the asset. It's a bit different because for me, the business is, is has a longevity. It's scalable, highly scalable. And that was my goal. Wow. So... If you were to give the niche finding community some must-haves to not only staying committed, but actually achieving this mission that you find yourself on, and you're also helping other people to also have this journey from start to finish, what are some must-haves? Mm -hmm. 
I would say, Cliff, and I think this is really important, and I don't think people place enough emphasis on this, is that you must define your branding architecture. I cannot stress this enough. Most people are looking for a niche and they go straight into lead generation, okay? And there's a massive disconnect there. If we don't understand what we do with clarity, who we serve with clarity, and what we promise with clarity, how do you actually get your messaging right? So that's a very important question. And the other thing is, how do you actually create content on social media that are scroll stoppers? And that's there's an art to that. But it all comes, it all starts back with understanding that messaging in your branding architecture. Because the branding architecture is not just your fonts and your colors. There's a lot of attributes that sit under there that directly impact the system that you're selling, the, uh, the, the lead generation strategy that you go to market with, um, the language that you use, and most importantly, the community that you're trying to build. So we need to get really, really detailed, micro detailed on those aspects of the brand in order to create a business around that. Mm. So last question that I have for you. How do you know when it's how do you know when that moment comes where you should stay focused on your goal versus pivoting and turning and going in a different direction? I think that feed you everyone needs a feedback loop. You know, mm. again, going back to this systems design and thinking. Again, you most people go, Oh, I want to find a niche. Yes, mumpreneurs is my niche, so now I'm gonna go and sell to mumpreneurs. But you see, the thing is, again, there's a massive disconnect there. Am I believable? Am I trustable? You know, so all these elements come into it. But the thing is that um If you don't have a system in place that can provide you a feedback loop, what are you basing your decision on, right? So when I'm talking to all these prospects who are 50 plus, they've all exceeded 10,000 hours in their area of specialization, I'm listening to the language that they're sharing with me, that's uh, that's one feedback loop. When I get enough of that data, I'm going to do something with that. That's, that's giving me enough information for me to understand what the pain points are, but also understand that, hang on a minute, this is an audience that I really, really, I need to go deeper, much deeper than the surface. So then you keep going deeper and deeper. Your messaging gets clearer. You know, you start tapping into the heart and the soul in terms of starting a conversation, a dialogue. And this is how you start building your community of people who will get to know you, love you and advocate for you. Mm. Wow. You know, I feel like I, I, I got a page full of notes here. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the niche finding community um, feels the same way. <laughs> now, if they want to get in contact with you and they want to actually reach out and, and, and begin a conversation with you on a deeper level, um, how would they do that? Please email me, Mary at MaryHendersonCoaching.com. You can go to my website, MaryHendersonCoaching.com. You can connect with me on Facebook, uh, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram at MaryHendersonCoaching. Um, and or you can join my free coaching program, which is 30dayauthorityaccelerator.com. Mm. Love it. 
And so our niche finder community, um, you know, if you want to get in contact with us, the address is www.dreamoctane.org. That's dreamoctane.org. And there you will find how to discover, develop, and deliver your niche. Our goal really is really to help you to fulfill the mantra that we have, which is if innovative change is an engine, your unique dream and ability could be its fuel. We want to thank Mary Henderson for being on our program, calling all the way from Melbourne, Australia, (laughs) y'all. And we're so privileged to have her um, and and the beauty that she's bringing to the world through the value that she's offering to her clients. And so you may be in contact at one point with someone she has already coached and already touched. And so this is how we actually begin the ripple that touches so many lives with the work that we do. So I thank you for the value that you're adding to society. And I continue and I and I trust that it would just is this is only the beginning for you. And so for our niche finder community, my pleasure for you who want to hear even more from uh you know insight from other guests well stay tuned next week we'll have the very next expert who can help you on your journey towards success so thanks again for tuning in